you know, she was ready and had, you know, a business acumen to get, you know, wow. get it going. And she's a, a 20 year old, a 21 year old. At the time she was 20. Wow. She's insane. <laughs> she's insane. Girl's a yeah. massive hustler. And like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of the time what it takes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, put your blinders on, focus on your craft, be fucking bulletproof. Yeah. And know about your business. And it, a manager should be so lucky. Yeah. To get in your world. Yeah. A manager oh, like should, be, should right. be so lucky right. to be a part of your world. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business podcast i am your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book Today, my guest is my very good friend, Andrew Lieb. He is a manager at Red Light Management, and he has worked on the teams of Robert Randolph and the Family Band, Counting Crows, Three Doors Down, Emily King, Lecrae, Luke James, Corey Henry, Victoria Canal, New Deco Ensemble. Needless to say, he's worked with a lot of really awesome, incredible artists. And we get into a bit of his story. We talk about, um, you know, what he looks for in artists that he wants to work with and how artists can hit up managers potentially if they think that they're ready. We dig into artist branding and his process on how to uh, put your package together and really communicate to the to the world what your brand is. This is a very fun episode for me, uh, being able to catch up and, and dig in with one of my best buds. Of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Ari Herstand or at Ari's Take. And then please sign up for the email list that can be found at ariestake.com where you'll be notified of all upcoming events and get regular information on the goings-ons in the music industry. Let's dig in. Andrew Lieb, welcome to the show. Great to be here, man. Yeah. Thank you. Manager extraordinaire. I do want to talk about What's so interesting, can you just tell everyone, so you're going to China in a little bit. I'm going to China next month, yeah. For, ne- right, so for whenever you're listening, weeks. people are listening, maybe you've already been to China, but but you're soon to go to China. Uh, get, tell us why you're going to China, because this is the fucking craziest story ever, and I think people are going to get a kick out of it, and it can be very inspiring on the lessons learned here. It's a super, <laughs> super wild story. Um, yeah, so I'm going to China for a nine-city tour. Um, the reason I'm going on this nine city tour is because the first band I ever managed, who I started managing, uh, as a senior in college. And where was this? This was at Drexel university in Philadelphia. Um, I learned everything through those guys. I did everything for those guys from the management to the accounting, to the graphic design, (laughs) to the driving the van, to the merch, to the whole thing, uh, slept on floors, traveled the country. These guys were like my brothers and I was kind of the fifth beetle to them. And we did a bunch of amazing shit together. Um, eventually moved out to California, came out here, um, got a job at red light management, signed them to red light management. 
And uh, um, we, you know, through a bunch of different uh, situations, uh, you know, recorded the record, got an agent, all that stuff. Eventually, the band had some creative differences, mm. uh, decided to to end the band, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they broke up. The band breaks up. When did they break up? They broke up in 2015, maybe, 2016. And you guys all moved out to L.A. Correct. together from and, Philly. Correct. Fast forward five years. After they broke up. After they broke up, yeah. I open my email, and I see this email, one of the first Cheers Elephant emails I've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh from a woman named Skylar being like, Hey, I'm a huge fan of your band. Um, does the band have any plans of touring China? And if not, would they be interested? And most people would throw this in the garbage instantly because it's either like phishing or a scam or something. Yes, like absolutely. That. Uh, but <laughs> next for, to the Nigerian pr- prince that you're gonna be absolutely. <laughs> depositing and I'm like, money second, into your bank. Cheers, elephant, like there's no way. Uh, <laughs> right. but you know, like as maybe some people know, like China's pretty insular. It's hard to find data unless you're really looking for it. Yeah. They have their own Google. They have their own, like, what's mm-hmm. the equivalent of Facebook and, mm-hmm. like, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's all, like, very much, like, China only, usually. Right. Yes. Um, and so I'm like, you know, I have nothing to lose. They didn't ask for my credit card information. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's do this. Um, yeah. No, they don't have any plans of touring China. <laughs> but if you want to send through an offer, like, let's talk about Even it. Even though right? they were had been broken up for five years. Correct, correct. You and, thought they might be willing to yes, get back together yes, for yes. this thing? And I'm slightly a romantic, like, trying to get these guys in the same room was just like, yeah. I was like, guys, let's get a beer. We did so much stuff together. Yeah. Like, there was definitely some friction between a couple of band members and all that stuff. Um, but you know, I get this, this thing and like all of a sudden she sends over an offer for a nine city tour of China. And so I'm like, I still don't believe this is real, but like talking around WhatsApp, talking around the phone, getting references to Americans that have been on some of these tours as well as some promoters that have some connections. And I've basically work it up to a place where this is absolutely legitimate. Mm. It's a real offer and they're covering a fee Flights, trains within China, wow. um, backline meals and accommodations. I get this offer and to a point where it's like very real and I get yeah. all the guys on text, which is like, the you know, I, I've tried in the past. Sure. I was like, uh, guys, I have some really wild news pertaining to your band. Do I have everyone's <laughs> attention? And everyone's like, everyone quickly was like, yep, yep, yep. Um, and I was like, well, I have a nine city China tour offer um, with all these things included. This is the fee. Um, you know, this is real. I vetted it. And the question is, will you guys fucking do it? Whoa. And they all one by one said yes. Oh my God. And so I'm like, holy shit. Like this is actually, this is actually Whoa. happening. And we started unpacking it. Like when's the timing, what's going on, how yeah. all that stuff. And you know, we, we confirmed the tour. The guys have rehearsed a couple times. Oh We're doing God. a kickoff show in LA, which is going to be super special. Whoa. And, um, yeah, these guys are you know, everyone's heard of the movie uh, Waiting for Sugarman or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and Rodriguez, this this artist, and like I feel like it's gonna kind of be like that. Um, I think the band, I don't know what's gonna happen after this, mm-hmm. but like it's gonna be an incredible experience. All I'm focusing on is this LA show and this tour. This is just mainly like a fun bonus thing for me. I mean, everyone's yeah. making a couple bucks, but it's also just um, this band meant so much to me yeah. and defines so much of my early twenties and mm. and who who I am now that just to hear him play on stage again is going to be emotional. It's going to be special. Mm. And I'm really, I'm really thrilled that combined with the absolute surreal shit. That's probably going to happen that we're going to see in China. Right. Um, <laughs> I just can't, I just can't imagine, man. Um, so what, that's, what's so cool is that 
one thing that like I love about your story is that uh, you are a very hands-on manager and you have kind of come from the world of basically being in the band without being on stage with them. And a lot of the the trials and tribulations that artists go through early, early on, you've been through mm-hmm. being like on the road with them, like the fifth band member and, and just kind of being a part of the band early on. And it's cool how it's kind of all come back around full circle now that they're like, you know, you're kind of joining up forces again yeah man years yeah. later <laughs> yeah no it was i mean so the, cool. some of the and, and it actually generates a lot of um empathy yeah because now you know what the long overnight drive is like right. and you know what the shitty venue with no people in it is like yeah. and you know you what the it. lack of tour manager and with the tour manager and like mm. the different scales and now like over the past couple of years i've seen a lot of different levels of it that experience coming into red light and you know working with other bands was like yeah. no one had that real life mm. experience unless you really tried to get after it which i did like yeah. early on well you have that that empathy that i think is lacking with some people in the industry you know especially with lawyers that i see it from and even some you know managers and and agents who who haven't really or or it's been some time since they've been actually on the ground yeah. getting their yeah. hands dirty with yeah. everything um, because it's, it's a hard road for, for artists, um, you know, doing it on their own initially, and then just kind of trying to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Um, and you know, red light is such a massive company. I think what it's the world's largest management company, largest independent management independent. company. Yeah. Yeah. And how many artists are at red light? Uh, probably at this point, like 300. Oh or my something gosh. Like okay. And, and how many managers? a uh, hundred plus wow. or, or something like that. And like yeah. offices in LA, LA, Nashville, Nashville London, Charlottesville, New York. Mm. Uh, and then there's a couple of satellite offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's such a, a giant company, but what's cool about red light, what I dig is that every manager kind of does their own thing, does it their own way, takes ownership over the project. So yeah. you're not really, you don't really get like lost at Red Light, it be, even though it's such a huge company, is because you have your manager, right, right. your main manager. and But because it's such a large network that you can link up with other people for support. If you mm-hmm. need some help, you can just walk down the hall and yes. be like, hey, yes. you know, do you know anybody at the Ellen Show or whatever? And be like, right. oh, yeah, I'll shoot yeah. an email. I'll make an yes. intro for you right now kind of totally. thing, which is totally. really cool. Um, and... In term, I mean, you've now done a lot of different jobs uh, at Red Light, uh, not just, I mean, even though it's it's been at Red Light, what, it's been like over six years now? Yeah, almost six and a half years, yeah. So you've been on the teams uh, Counting Crows, and you've worked with Robert Randolph and Emily King, who you brought into Red Light. Um, you've worked with Corinne Bailey Ray and uh, Three Doors Down and uh, Corey Henry, Corey Henry, Luke James, uh, Lecrae. Lecrae, yeah. Um, a lot of different artists, a lot of different genres, a lot of different capacities, major label, indie label, uh, no label to a label, all of that stuff. Um, what would you say is kind of um, the now seeing so much of it being you know, a college manager learning just on the ground how to just even just set up a tour, um, let alone, you know, how to survive on the road, uh, to being in the room at major labels, negotiating contracts, uh, doing record rollouts, single release rollouts, 
um, you know, promoting massive tours with amphitheaters down to club tours. And now you're working with an incredible artist, one of my new favorites, Victoria Canal, who you're kind of basically, uh, she's had a career, but you're, she's like at this point where you're kind of, you know, she's ready to launch and Mm -hmm. you're, you know, can launch her. Um, what would you say is kind of the, one of the biggest things that you've learned throughout this entire process in how you approach management, uh, with kind of newer artists, uh, like Victoria, uh, pulling from all of this experience that you've had? Um, I think, well, first off, it's like, I still stand by the management's probably the most personal job mm. within the music industry, Okay, uh, closest to the artists, you know, I'm pretty sure they used to be called personal managers Yeah, because that's, that's really what it is. And in that way, I've learned that like, you're going to deal with every level of, um, this person that you are, you're managing their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that way, there's just, there's a lot of trust that goes into these things. Right. And in, in that way, when you develop these brands, because that's really what it is, you're developing mm-hmm. a brand and this brand with this artist, it really takes a deep, deep dive. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like clearing the table, forgetting the past and really figuring out what it is you're trying to accomplish, who you want to be, what do you want to be perceived as, what do you want to communicate? In the case of Victoria, we started working together. One thing I've like kind of developed and it's been like through the years of like, you know, I guess just like building into this moment mm-hmm. of like kind of a summit and a deep dive of like Victoria, what do you want to be? Mm. And we did everything from like keywords to colors. I did it with the the band I used to work with, Sure Sure, as well. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. keywords, color schemes. You mean like what do you want your brand to represent? What do you want thing? it to represent, and yeah. what do you want people to feel when they look at it? Okay, when they hear it. Ah, uh. and you want to create those through lines and. I realize that people want to latch on to like themes with mm. an artist. What do you mean by themes? When I say themes, I mean like you're the artist that does that, right? Lizzo is the artist that is all about body positivity uh-huh. and showing off her ass because she feels like right. she wants to. Yes. It's fucking awesome, yeah. right? Yes. That's, that's empowerment. Her, right. Empowerment. Yes. That's her thing. Female empowerment. Right? right. Yes. Um, Robert Randolph. Mm-hmm. It's very clear. He's the pedal steel guy. That's a party man. Yes. Like he's a good time, right? Yes. Corey Henry is a freak keyboard player and he wants to bring like a funk assault to the venue. Okay. Um, Like there's everyone, you know, and those are the kind of more on the the live side and, 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 you know, Liz is one about like a a theme of um, yeah. Empowerment. Yeah. Um, I think we all need to find those things because we latch mm. on to that. It's the music for sure, but we also latch on to the artist. And the story. And really, the story. Is like, what are you going to talk about right. with your friends? Like, why is this artist interesting? Right. Why should we care about this artist other than we like her song? Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, market the artist, not the song sometimes, mm. which is really interesting. The, the idea is like, you know, the song is great and yes. it is paramount. Sure. Um, but what we really, really fall in love with, what we really connect to is Chris Martin, mm. Lizzo, yes, you know, uh, Katy Perry, like the eccentric Lady Gaga. I mean, like a, like a perfect example of someone that will like, no matter what that woman puts out, mm-hmm. she's always going to have an audience because we know exactly who she is, what she stands for, and what she does. Cause she built, she built a movement based on who, what she stands correct, for and correct. who she is, but it's not just who she is because there, every person, every artist is a very complex human being. Correct. 
And so, you know, Lady Gaga is a, yeah, very talented singer-songwriter, great piano player, great singer, great writer, but, like, as Stephanie before Lady Gaga, like, that wasn't as interesting. There's a million great piano-playing singer-songwriters, no problem, and she created this persona and this movement based, you know, she created, like, the little monsters that she's created, the whole community and that is the world that, you know, obviously she spent time developing, but it can be on every scale. Absolutely. With every kind of artist, it doesn't necessarily she, just need to be she really a meat just, dress. She really just kind of, at some point, Stephanie yes. sat down and said, what do I love about me? Mm. What do I want to communicate about me? And can I take those things and inflate them and pump them up and amplify them and make the heightened version of me, mm, you know? Yes. I mean, we, we all have that capability. Yeah. Anybody, you know, can you, can you really, like I said, kind of like fan it all out and figure out what you love about yourself and what you love about humanity, music, whatever it might be yeah. and communicate that through your music, through your marketing, mm. through your video, your music video subject matter, through, uh, your Instagram or whatever it might be. And I've kind of just learned that like, it's not just like, all right, put music, like, let's see what sticks. Let's right. like do the photo shoot. Like, and I used to do that, but yeah. then, and it's not even, you mentioned the story. It's not like I need the backstory, you yeah. know, it's like, what, what, what are you trying to communicate right now? Mm. It's, I mean, yeah, like a little bit of some, you know, exposition is always nice, but like, ultimately it's like, what are you going to stand up for right now on a regular basis? And that becomes something that uh, is, well, it's authentic to the artist. So you're not necessarily manufacturing this thing. It's just pulling out from the artist what at their core is really important to them. And to showcase that, those components that can, then an audience can latch on to and and join their movement. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. And so mechanically, logistically, how do you do this with artists? Because I've found that that is one of the most challenging things for a lot of artists, especially artists that go by their own names yeah. uh, to do because they just want it to be about the music. Sure. It's like, well, the song should speak for itself. Like, yes. why do I have to think about brand that feels so icky and yeah. inauthentic? But what do you, what do you like? So how do you do that? Um, so I like semi developed this uh curriculum i don't even know what you want to call it a little like i said like a summit maybe Mm -hmm. where victoria and i she's a good example Mm -hmm. um because she always struggled with i mean she's she's 21 currently and Mm -hmm. she through the years through different managers through different producers through touring with different people she's kind of wanted to figure out like who she really is Mm. and you know so we sat down and I basically said, you know, what do you, what do you love about yourself? Hmm. You know, what do you want to convey? Who are some comparables you love their careers? What do you love about their careers? Like we said, like the Lizzo thing, what do you love about Lizzo? Uh You know, what do you love about John Mayer? What do you love about Sarah Bareilles? Mm -hmm. And you're pulling out these things. I love the musicianship. I love their live show. I love how John Mayer does his uh, current mood show. Instagram show. His Instagram show. Um, I love how Sarah Bareilles started a musical. I love, you know, all these things. Yeah. It's like, what, what do you love about these people? And what do you kind of want to emulate? And to me, you can pick apart some of those things and then reverse engineer back and Uh. what you want to apply to your career. Uh 
Um, what colors do you like? What vibe do you like? Is it more of an earthy thing or is it more of like a vector pointy thing? Is it like, mm. you know, we're, we're, you know, we're making Pinterest boards and we're doing keywords. And yeah. then, you know, I, I just say, I want you to think about what you want to convey and just start naming words, right? Say, start saying words, uh-huh. um, sexy, cool, electric, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then I say, I want you to distill it down to 10 words wow. and give me your 10 words. Right. And then we lay out our 10 words. Okay. So from here on out, Whenever you do anything for the next, you know, foreseeable future, yeah. we're going to look at these words and see if they're kind of invoking some of that stuff. Aha. Uh-huh. So everything kind of stays aligned. Yes. And stays on brand, on right? On brand, right. Yeah. Right. But it stays within your zone. So, because, pe- you know, it's so easy yeah. to get so distracted mm. that, I, like I said, people want to attach on to like a thing, a theme. Yeah. And to me, you know, I often look back at those words and it's not always going to be your words, sure. you know, and usually a, an album cycle or something like that is a good opportunity to reset that and go back to the drawing board. Yeah. You know, you look at everybody, the Beatles, you look at whoever, they right. all had different, you know, phases of their career. Sure. But I think it's important to be like, all right, guys, you know, or you know, when you're sitting with your team. Yeah. This is what we're going to do for the foreseeable future and yeah. latch on to it. And, and and it probably helps when uh, you get offers that come in to know how to approach those, whether you're going to say yes or no to them yes. based on if they align yes. with what the vision that you've set out yes. is. So it's like it's interesting because she's done um, one of the more high profile things that she's done up until this point is the Nike campaign yeah. Yeah. Uh, where they've made a shoe because uh, for people listening, Victoria Canal, uh, she's a differently abled artist uh she was born without one of her right hand right her, her arm from the elbow down she was born with amniotic band syndrome thank you and uh yeah so that was a situation where that came to us it was of course uh perfectly in line with something that she wanted to communicate which is um representation of all uh-huh. types of people right um and advocating for people with disabilities this is a shoe a nike shoe where you could basically slide it on and then fasten the laces with one hand mm. And uh, it's like a Velcro type of setup, but it looks like a normal Jordan, basically. Cool. And um, that was something, it was totally in line, but it's one of the words that we had talked about with Victoria or something that we talked about is just polished. You know? Oh, okay. Okay. We, we yes. talked about a more cool. polished approach. Gotcha. You know, not, uh, you know, she still is authentic and can do stuff off the cuff with her iPhone, just filming whatever, and, yeah. you know, but like we dug the idea of like a studio shoot cool. and like a more polished thing and a cleaner look. And that, I mean, that's awesome I mean, because the cool thing is there is no right or wrong. Yeah. It's about what does the artist feel most connected with, what, most um, authentic. Most authentic. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, uh yes and and what so like the visual aesthetic you know is that going to match her music but is it all gonna is all gonna feel like her authentically and that's what people will latch on to um that's really cool and so uh have there been other kind of uh things so far how long you've been working with victoria uh it's been probably seven eight months or okay. something like that okay and during that brainstorm too just to go back to it yeah we, we talked about keywords we talked about strengths we did a strengths and weaknesses thing okay which was um you know for someone that you don't like fully know yet yeah. like you know when we're working together i'm telling you like I, we also talked about insecurities mm. things like that because as your manager as her manager i'm gonna be on the front lines representing her and often being her voice sure. at the beginning mm-hmm. and so there are certain things i know to look out for for victoria to make sure that she's comfortable mm. and no matter who you are whether you are a young female a mm-hmm. disabled female mm-hmm. 
a guy in whatever age, mm-hmm. everyone has these types of insecurities and things yeah. that we have to look out for. And as a manager, if you can, if you can, um, like really get down to the root of it and be like, all right, this is something I will look out for you on your behalf. Like don't mm. put on the mask for the person that's the closest to your business. Right. You know, because I'm going to be out there protecting you and you're going to have to trust that I'll protect you, but know that I'm going to make great decisions ideally yeah. on your behalf to make sure you're set up for a comfortable situation. So, I mean, you essentially are like a best friend slash family member slash uh, like therapist like you have to get in and kind of know you're saying like what are your weaknesses like what super personal yes it was was really which that is a theme i've realized throughout my career with clients is Mm -hmm. like i get to know them on a very personal level which different managers have different tactics sure of like i want to keep it strictly business and like super transactional and like Mm. whatever like of course you can talk to me but like it shuts off at the end of the you know whatever yeah um Throughout the years, I've realized with Emily, with Corey, with a lot of these artists, mm-hmm. we got like pretty close. And um, there, are, of course, are um, you know uh, pros and cons to that. Sure, but ultimately, like you're both in the trenches, yeah, and you're both like being super vulnerable, yeah. And um, I mean, you're cur- business partners; you're yes. in it together. Yes, yeah. yeah. And currently, my, my other client is the New Deco Ensemble, All right, and. Uh, it's a thirty-piece orchestra started by uh, two two creatives that um, are brilliant from from uh, Juilliard. Mm-hmm. We did a similar thing, and I really got down to like, what is it that like? How do you guys want to be perceived? What freaks you out? Mm. What are some of your goals? The three, five, ten-year plan, um, and really just like getting down to like the intimate components because ultimately, like we are gonna get. We're going to be in the trenches. Yeah. I'm going to be fighting on your behalf. Yeah, we're going to be in uncomfortable moments. I'm going to fuck up. You're going to fuck up. Yeah. So like, let's just lay it all out on the front end. Uh, so there's no animosity that builds up yeah. and there's no sort of issues that could arise when you really, when it really counts. And you did a similar kind of deep dive with them. We went to Amsterdam. You went to Amsterdam. We went to Amsterdam. Do you remember any of this trip? Uh, no, the answer is no, no. Uh, uh, I mean, we, we did like intense, I mean, probably eight hour days, 10 hour wow. days sometimes okay. in this Airbnb. Cool. And really, that was an interesting one because there was a whole back catalog of uh, collaboration content. That we started so let's break down just so people uh, yeah, yeah. a New Deco Ensemble. So this is a 30-piece orchestra, you yes, said, yes. based in Miami, Florida. Yes, yeah. So I have two clients right now. Yes. So it's Victoria uh-huh. and it's New Deco Ensemble. Okay. Um, and of course, we're developing a specific project. Yes. We call yes. that a client, more of an experience, which we could talk about at some point. We'll, we'll dig in that later. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but... Uh, New Deco Ensemble was started by Sam Hyken and Giacomo Byros with the intention of starting an orchestra for the 21st century. Okay. And um, they met at Juilliard um, and they decided that they wanted to start this ensemble because they've done and uh, the typical path, philharmonics, symphonies, mm-hmm. session work, whatever. Mm-hmm. They wanted to do something that totally represented the classical world, but also represented uh, contemporary compositions huh. and, and new music. Uh, they also wanted to do collaborations with some of their favorite artists. Both these guys, Sam is like a huge hip hop head and a mm. funk head and rock and all these, they love all sorts of genres. So the idea was to create a program mm-hmm. that featured new music, uh, suites that Sam arranged. Sam's a brilliant arranger with cool. uh, like 
relative pitch, but like essentially yeah. perfect pitch. The yeah. guy's a freak of nature. And he'll do like LCD sound system suites and Aretha Franklin suites oh, and Daft cool. Punk suites. So imagine like wow. a girl talk mashup huh. performed by a 30-piece orchestra. Whoa. I mean, it's bonkers. Yeah. And then the, the the last component is these collaborations. Huh. And that's how I got to know these guys because they reached out to Emily King and we did Corey Henry. Mm. We did Luke James. And in the past, they've done Jacob Collier, Ben Folds, oh. Kishibashi, a cool. um, bunch of different artists. And so- Wyclef. Wyclef. Yep. This season was Wyclef Jean, Lake Street Dive, Hooray for the Riff Raff, cool. um, uh, Rev Run. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and we're booking a couple others. Seema Funk was another one. Kimbra, I think. We've it, done yeah. Kimbra in the previous seasons. Yeah. yeah. So like- cool. The idea is that they do about nine programs a year, and it mm. ranges from one to sh- two shows a-, a weekend. And these take place in Miami, it, but in what uh, kind of venue? So, so they're Miami based, uh-huh. and they vary from three hundred cap rooms all the way up to a like two thousand seater, which is the Adrian Arst Center in Miami. Wow! So, like, like a like a beautiful what? concert hall. Yeah, concert hall. Okay, yeah. Cool. So, and it, it it varies depending on the artist, but they do a couple shows at the Arst. Mm-hmm. They do a couple at the New World Center, which is like a like seven hundred, eight hundred cap room, mm. and they do a um this place called the Citadel, which is like a three hundred cap place. Cool. And so, well, th- so that's interesting because they, they'd been going for how long when you stepped into the project? So we're on, they're on their fifth season. Okay. And I came in at the beginning uh, over the summer um, as they were getting ready to prep for their season. Um, and I'd known the guys for, at that point, like a year or so. And I, I met Sam and they were like, you know, cause mainly orchestras I've learned are nonprofits. Okay. Um, they're very expensive endeavors sure. because we're talking lots of people uh, yeah. and we're, sometimes we're talking union and stuff yeah. like that. We're not union, but, yeah. um, you know, we're talking about lots of people. We're talking lots of gear. We're talking big venues. We're talking yeah. big budgets, whatever. And a lot of arts donors out there and the city and all sorts of people are giving money to make sure that these things exist because mm-hmm. it's important for the arts community in mm-hmm. each of these cities. And there's usually an orchestra, some sort of thing in each city, major city, yeah. Philadelphia orchestra, Boston pops. Sure. Whatever. Sure. Um, so these guys wanted to be that for Miami, even though there is a Miami symphony, they yeah. wanted to be the like hip younger brother, brother of the Miami symphony. Cool. And they decided that the best route would be to be a nonprofit and they're in their fifth season. Um, you know, they get over like a million and a half a year in funding. Wow. Um, just from, just from individual donors. Donors. Uh, community yeah. Yeah. Okay. Grants, you know, cool. things like that. And, um, they found that that was their best model. Okay. The gift back component is they've started a youth orchestra. Nice. Um, they provide free uh, tickets and concerts to different types of neighborhoods in Miami. Um, so yeah. what is a manager like yourself yeah, yeah. from Red Light Management? Does Red Light represent any other orchestras? No. We, okay. we represent <laughs> uh, like the Preservation Hall Jazz Band is probably oh, like cool. one of the closest things. But that's still a band that plays Bonnaroo. Totally. Like, totally. New Deco's not going to do Bonnaroo. I saw this thing as an opportunity. Maybe. I met with Sam and we, we had this conversation and he was just like, he's like, I just want to pick your brain on like where this is going. Hmm. You know, we're in the process of recording an album. We don't really know what to do with it. Huh. We don't, you know, and, and I'm talking to him and I was like, so where's all the video content? Yeah. You know, like, well, we film, yeah, we film and record every show. I was like, where yeah. is it? He's yeah. like, um, we have it. Yeah. I'm like, well, what are you doing with it? Right. He's like, I mean, we don't really know. We got to figure it out. And yeah. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Right. Like, you're sitting on, he's like, yeah, we're sitting on about eight hours of unreleased collaboration content, Whoa. new music work, and these cool. suites that I was talking about, the Daft Punk and LCD sound system. Yeah. Stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. what an incredible opportunity yeah. to like 
be the orchestra, the yeah. collaborative orchestra, the reimagination orchestra that sure. these artists come in and can spread their wings creatively. And what really struck me was when when Emily went and I saw her face kind of light up. Emily King. Emily King. Yep. When I saw her face light up, hearing her songs for the first time with an ensemble huh. that she wrote in her mom's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> like that was a really special moment. Wow. So I was like, yo, like, why don't you capture the rehearsal oh. and make like a mini documentary about each of these shows? Cool. And it's a series all of a sudden mm. where you're telling the story of Dudeco. Yeah. And you're telling the story of these artists who typically play club dates or, right. you know, amphitheaters, whatever it might be, but have been, are stepping, you know, outside of their comfort zone. Wow. Another thing I realized too, is that Sam often does not share his arrangements with the artists before they get there. Oh, Cool. So there's a shitload of trust that goes in the same. Yeah. Right? And then of course Giacomo is like the conductor who's like uh -huh. making sure everyone's comfortable and being like, "Are you good? Do you need anything? Should we extend this section? Whatever." Yeah. They're a great team, um, and it's this really special experience that often I've found. Yeah. People come away; these artists come away being like transformed and wow. invigorated and super creative. In the case of Wyclef Jean, yeah. Like. So he rolls in and he's he's done stuff with ensembles, but sure. the, the difference between us and a normal orchestra is we have a dope rhythm section with real players. Cool. That can really groove. Rhythm section, you mean like drummer, drummer, bassist, bass, guitar? keys, guitar. Oh, wow. Okay. Re, like a real core band cool. surrounded by string players. Hmm. And then our arrangements are super unique and lend themselves to the original arrangements. Cool. And it's not just like the lush strings that you would hear on sure. whatever. Yeah. It's like Sam's like emulating guitar parts and synth cool. parts. And it's like, you know, the vibes doing, you know, like the, the pulsing bass or the Dope. synth or whatever. I mean, it's like it's really special and really creates kind of like a big, it's almost like a big band yeah. meets, meets an orchestra. Yeah. And oftentimes the artists come away feeling super inspired, super invigorated and like, you know, what are we doing next type of thing? Mm. So in the case of Wyclef, yeah. he had done all these like kind of seemingly stuffier orchestra shows that mm -hmm. are cool, but like he rolls in, he's like, yeah, you guys have like swag. That's what he <laughs> kept saying. It's like, you guys have swag. Yeah. He's like, this, this is crazy, man. Like players, you know, he's like super amped on it. His manager's like, yo, Wyclef wrote two songs today. In his after the yeah, rehearsal yeah, or something? Yeah, after his rehearsal. Like, Whoa. Wyclef uh, wrote two songs today because he was feeling so inspired. Wow. And I was like, well, that's pretty wild. <laughs> and so he rolls in, and we do the first show. It's like a complete smash. He's doing mm. like some, a couple of Fuji tunes. He's doing some cool. like solo stuff. He's doing the Santana, Maria Maria. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. Was, it, like, and Wyclef, like little does a lot, do a lot of people know, like stupid prolific producer sure that guy has touched so much shit by the way produced like he was no one realized he produced all the fuji stuff yeah yeah you know like uh -huh. just an insane producer right so as an incredible year but as an amazing showman yeah cool and so the first show is a smash literally nice. people standing up at the end like wow. losing their shit as wow a, by the way like this venue was the opening of a venue at the citadel in little haiti oh and he's haitian Wyclef's probably the most notable Haitian artist right. in existence. Wow, right? cool. So like we oh, had really to kick meaningful. it off the that's season really awesome. yeah. with Wyclef mm. at this venue, whatever. So we we do the first show. It's a smash. Second show, he's like crushing it. It's even more of a smash. Yeah. And towards the end, he's like, yo, I've been feeling super inspired. And we have no idea what he's talking about. This he's point. saying this on the mic to on everybody. The mic. Yeah, mid-show. Mid-show. Okay. And everyone's like <laughs> kind of like looking at him. He's like, I've been feeling super inspired. Yeah. So the first thing I want to do is donate $5,000 
to the new Deco Ensemble. Whoa. For and 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 I want to sponsor a chair. Oh, cool. Because we have like a chair sponsorship. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whoa. He's like, I want to sponsor a chair. I want to sponsor this young man right here and points to the drummer. He's like, you got you got swag, you got flow. I want to sponsor. I'm like, okay, this is insane. <laughs> Whole crowd erupts. Like, holy shit, yeah. right? Wow. And then he goes, I also think I realized that you guys have this like orchestral, like, you know, big uh, you know, type of presence mm. mixed with like my Haitian, like kind of hip hop vibe. And I think, you know, we could do something really special. And I think we should make a record together. Whoa. And, and he, he announces this. Announces this on stage. You didn't at know this the show. coming. I didn't know. <laughs> I'm literally just, I, I mean, I think my girlfriend got a video of me just being like, uh, you know, like, like right. freaking out, yeah. you know, <laughs> whole crowds bursting. Sam and Giacomo are like on the verge of tears. I mean, just like wow. what a moment. And that's wow. the type of shit. Yeah. I mean, that's an extreme example, but that's the type of stuff that like we, we provide this experience that is hmm. so special Wow! that it really makes it, I saw it as an opportunity and that's why I hopped into it, man, cool. is, is we do something that nobody does. Yeah. And I have a feeling this thing could get, you know, where it's touring, yeah. where it's like Tiny Desk meets Metropole, which is a, an orchestra out of uh, the Netherlands and sure. it's a similar type of vibe. This episode is brought to you by Bandzoogle. This is how you should be creating your website. I've made many websites on Bandzoogle for years, long before they were paying me to tell you about it. I told everyone about it because it's super, super easy. Don't mess around with web developers. Let me tell you, the most frustrating people on planet Earth are web developers. No offense to my brother, who is a web developer. He's amazing. He was the one who originally built Ari'sTake.com. You're awesome, Mika. Hey, what up? Okay. Uh, but they're frustrating. They're always overworked. They take on too many projects. They're always getting sniped by startups that will pay them way more than any independent musician can pay them. So you should not be messing around with web developers. Stop paying web developers. Seriously. You know this by now if you have been hiring web developers for your websites. You can't get a hold of them. You can't afford them. And they are just, the turnaround times are way too long. So, Banzoogle. This is how you can build a website. It's super easy. They also have a built-in store, commission-free. You can sell music. You can sell downloads, PDFs. Whatever you want to sell, it's all commission-free. They have a crowdfunding service. This is new. That's also commission-free. They also have a subscription service on there if you want to kind of start your own fan club and have subscribers, fans, patrons, whatever you want to call them, commission-free. This is all at Banzoogle.com. You can get a 30-day free trial if you use the code ARI. That's my name. And you also get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Go to Banzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. That's just spelled A-R-I for 15% off the first year of any subscription. Yeah. So you're like you're very hands on and like uh, coming up with these kinds of creative concepts, like with the video, like let's make documentaries and let's get in there. Um, did you set the Wyclef thing up? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, so the, yeah, I, I'm helping them book the season. Sure. And, and bringing these artists and yeah. taking care of all of that. I'm helping them with content strategy and cool. organizing their content. And then I'm also helping them with relationships. We also did, you know, through the thing with Victoria, I, I ended up making a pretty good relationship with Jordan. You Jordan, I talked to the Jordan folks, and I was like, yo, how dope would it be for this cool, hip orchestra to have matching J's? No way. And they sent boxes and boxes of shoes. And, like, if you go to check out our website, like, 
it's this like dope photo of like this really fly ensemble wearing matching Jordans. Wow. So that's, I mean, that's really interesting because uh, you now have essentially a pop artist and an orchestra. Yeah. And uh, so when you're looking on bringing on clients and you're looking at, you know, just uh, the clients out there, I mean, because I hear all the time from artists uh, saying like, oh, I need a manager. I, you know, if only I had a manager, I could take my career to the next level and all of that. And so, you know, I'm sure there are artists who are listening to this right now and are like, man, like, Andrew sounds like a great guy and a great manager. How do I get Andrew to manage me? And like, what do you say to artists who kind of are are like, you know, if only I had a manager, I need a manager because I hear that all the time. Uh, I get hit up. My my Instagram DMs are blown up all the time by people like, can you use your connections to help me get a manager? Right. What do you say to those people? Do they need a manager? A and and what is that like? What's that process? Uh, There's like a Google form that you just like hit me (laughs) up on. It's on my website. Sweet. All right, perfect. The manager.com. <laughs> right. And like, I'll talk to you and I'll manage you. Uh, jokes. 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 Absolute jokes. <laughs> um, this is something I've like, I, I get asked like a decent amount. And sure. so I've tried to formulate somewhat of a succinct answer, which is like, at first, you should not focus on anybody but yourself and your art and your music. You mean anyone, like any industry people? Correct. Okay. I mean, the idea is that like you need to make a bulletproof product just at its core that like, and you need to, to learn the, the tricks, like the steps of being your own manager and your mm. own person, because that builds a certain amount of like gumption and resilience that mm. I look for in clients eventually down the line. So you're looking for artists who have built something on their own, figured out how to make it work on their own, yes, and understand the business business to a certain extent, and have been able to build up some kind of audience on Absolutely. their own. Absolutely, because not only is it a reflection that you know you care and you want to know about these things, but mm-hmm. it's also a reflection of work ethic and and hard work. Because you're looking for uh, someone who's going to work alongside you, Correct. right? That's not just going to say, here's my business. Yes. You do all the business. I do the music. That's, that is a massive red flag. Massive red flag. If somebody says that, like, yes. great, I can't wait to pass off all the business. I get to go back to just doing the music. It is such a red <laughs> flag and such a turnoff. Uh. What I, Victoria and I are partners. Mm. New Deco and I are partners. Mm. It is a partnership. You know, like I said, we are in the trenches together. Mm-hmm. These ideas never is it going to never would I ever want to be to a place where I just be like, I'm going to rip all this from you mm. and you just kind of do your thing and focus on your music. Mm. That's like that is a that's a big red flag for, a, for an artist, and a manager. The, the idea is that it's a partnership and that a lot of the like overarching ideas and direction um, are coming from the artist or in collaboration with the manager, and then the manager goes out and executes it and kind mm. of reports back, and we do like a little bit back and forth. That's what mm. it is moving forward. I think at the beginning of your career, it's figuring out a lot of that, like I said, you know, doing that kind of deep dive on your brand or whatever it might be, you, mm-hmm. as much as you can on your own, mm-hmm. and starting to go after it and just trying to make some noise and building up that resilience. Like, I want to know, like, pretty much every artist, yeah. I mean, New Deco is a, a special exception, but like, yeah. Pretty much every artist I've worked with, they played the countless bar gigs. Of mm. course, they mm. played to empty rooms. Yep. They hit the road and booked their own tours. Like that bu- builds a certain amount of resilience, and they end up generating 
a great amount of appreciation for what a manager does and people around you do, or they're never a, like a shitty person to work with. Because they've done it all before and they know how much work it's it actually empathy. is. It's right. the empathy. It's that empathy. That, which is so important mm. because you're going to work with so many different people and, you know, your team's going to get bigger and bigger. And, like, you know, you can, back in the day, and still some artists, mm-hmm. like, you know, they end up being pretty miserable towards their team. And, mm. you know, that, that's, it's never worth it to work with. Right. So, like, I want to work with artists that have been through the ringer themselves. Mm. Yeah. They know what they're doing and also appreciate hard work and appreciate their team huh. because there are going to be so many days where it's going to be a thankless job sure. and there's not going to be money or whatever it might be. And you yep. just have to like, you need that encouragement from them and you need to mm-hmm. encourage them. So mm. uh, another thing that ta- talking about like early days is just, I, I call it blinders, which I kind of alluded to before, which is like focus on your craft, mm-hmm. focus on your art, Mm-hmm. Focus on your business. Focus on what's in your control, and put on your blinders. Everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna be passing around words like managers and labels yeah. and things like that. Especially in LA, it's like everyone's like, "How'd you get that gig? And how'd you get this gig? Yeah. Whatever." Ultimately, if you are freakishly good at what you do uh-huh. at the beginning, yeah, and you are, you know, you doing a lot of the tried and true shit of like yeah. getting your stuff out there, and then getting a little creative with some of your marketing and things like that. And you put on those blinders uh-huh. and you keep working, you keep grinding, you're playing shows and you're properly spacing out the shows and you're pushing fans to it. You're starting mm. to make real fans that aren't your friends and you're starting to have a, a song that you, you like look at everyone's eyes as you play and they light up and like you're really getting to that place mm. that eventually, usually when you look up from those blinders, there might be a manager shooting you an email being like, hey, when's your next show? Huh. You know, or that DM from the like the label, like junior A and R, that's not going to follow up with you, but it's still a good experience, right? <laughs> like, hey, uh, yeah. I'm an A and R from Capitol Records. Right. Um, I found your music on Spotify; it's really yeah. cool. Or I heard about you on Hype Machine, or I read about you on Pitchfork, or whatever yeah. it might be. It's honestly realistic in today that sometimes you can get to some of those places, or you know, you're getting some buzz and generating, you know, just through tried and true practices to generate some um, streams and 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 attention. So what you're saying is really focus on building your career on your own, and you know, almost when you get to a point where you kind of have things rolling a bit, people will come to you. Yes. Yeah. Everyone loves, you know. I think there's light reach out that can be done when okay. it comes to a manager and agent. I was just talking to an artist that we know the mm-hmm. other day about this and, um, you know, look at the, look at their roster, find an artist that is similar to you. So you have some sort of context and reach out to them in an authentic way, very mm-hmm. succinct and try and invite them to your gig or yeah. pass them a single and, you know, like start to grow those relationships. Oftentimes sometimes, you know, like it's, you know, getting in touch with a manager they're like, sorry, I'm too busy right now, but keep keep sending me music. Keep inviting sure. me to your shows. Cool. And then they send you music, and the music's getting better. And then the mm-hmm. shows are getting more packed, and you're getting a little bit of press yourself. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I dig what you're doing. You're working really hard. Like, let's do it. Mm. You know, that's one way it happens. It, so it it does seem that, and I, when I hear from managers, I've heard a lot of managers kind of say that, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen from the first meet or from the first gig or from the just hearing their song and discover weekly and saying, Hey, I'm a manager. Let's sign tomorrow. Yeah. Work together. Yeah. It seems like it's almost like you're saying, even, you know, uh, you get to know this artist for yeah. a little while. You're going to see their shows. You're listening to their music. You're a fan almost yeah. first. Yeah. And then, you know, you potentially might have a conversation yeah. that it might make sense to partner a good case study. Yeah. 
is Victoria and I. Okay. Victoria, I found out about her because she covered an Emily King song on Instagram <laughs> and tagged Emily. While you were representing Emily. While I was representing Emily. This uh-huh. was like two, two and a half, three years ago or something like that. Uh-huh. And tags Emily and I see this cover and I'm like, man, this is like so good. Mm. And I did something that like maybe not every manager does, but like I remember what it was like to be in the situations where you're just clawing up the fucking thing yeah. and trying to get any sort of validation. Yeah. So I reached out to Victoria and I was like, hey, I'm Emily King's manager. Um, I just want to say I really dug your cover and I'm going to send it to Emily. Whoa. That's it. That probably made her entire fucking well, she, year. So she, <laughs> she told me she was... <laughs> She was lying in her bed at NYU like one night or whatever. She was a she, student. She was a student. Yeah. Uh, well. and she gets a ping and she's like, holy <laughs> shit, Emily King's man. It's just like, and, and the, you know, like that, it's, it, it ended up doing exactly what I hoped, which is yeah. like it made her night uh, and it totally like got her stoked and excited. And like that made me feel in, in retrospect, you know, like hearing about it, like made me feel really good. But so we, I started to follow her. And started to see her featured on like uh, this this pickup jazz account, which uh-huh. we both follow and dig. And um, Instagram account, Instagram account, uh-huh. yeah. Where they feature other artists, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. And um, started just like kind of keeping an eye on her, like would respond to like she, she'd post something like should, you know should I drop? She did like a poll. Should I drop out of school and pursue music? Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, do it. You voted yes. <laughs> I was like, drop out of school, do it. And she's scrolling through the yeses on her Instagram yeah. post like, ooh, Emily King's manager says right. drop out of yeah, school. Right, right. Turns out <laughs> hey, she mom. ended up getting picked out of school by Michael Franti, touring the country with wow. him for a year, yeah. singing backups in his band, and mm. she did drop out of school. An and, opening form, right? An opening form, yep. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Got our chops on the road, figured out what it was like to be on a, in, in a, a touring artist, mm. um, but totally was hustling on her own up until that point, too. She has a crazy, amazing story. Um, but we saw her at South By. Right. You and I saw her at South By yep. in front of 20 people at a bar at Like midnight. 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 1 a.m. Right. <laughs> She's wearing like this like NYU sweatshirt and like was great. 20 people like at most yeah, 20 at absolute most, most. <laughs> and you and i are sitting there i was like that was that was really good right solo piano like Very you impressed. know like yeah, yeah. I was super impressed still was like wasn't in the position to do it like it was early days mm-hmm. and um we still kind of stayed in touch and um i ended up having her open up for emily king at the apollo like, whoa super epic gig whoa emily's hometown show at the apollo and, and victoria opened up um and she did a couple other shows and like huh. she'd maybe hit me up for advice and stuff and um eventually um you know i i was working under a guy named jonathan azu great manager who was my mentor for a while and i was day-to-day on his projects so that was emily king Corey henry luke james mm-hmm. he ended That's up right. leaving red light to start his own company mm-hmm. um and i stuck around at red lights so therefore i kind of had to restart my roster mm. and um emily had been talking to Victoria and was like, yeah, I, uh, Andrew's probably looking for clients. Like maybe you should re- t- you know, get in touch with him again. Interesting. So I had the call with Victoria who I'd started a relationship with right yeah. years ago. And yeah. she'd asked advice and I saw her at South by and was mm-hmm. kind of like checking in, like following her on IG and figuring out like what she's up to and like seeing the progress. And she then sends me this pack of demos hmm. that fucking knocked me out. Wow. These, these demos were like, I mean, they blew my mind. Yeah, I never yeah. received demos that were like, they weren't even like, I mean, I guess they were pretty fleshed out in retrospect. Like we changed a lot in the finals, but yeah. like 
just great songs, man. Yeah. Just like bulletproof fucking songs. Cool. And cool. such a talent. Yeah. And such great energy. Yeah. And then I'm like digging into her story and I'm like talking to her and all these things. And I was like, man, you know, like this is how it happens, right? Like yes. you, you're t in, you know, you're, this is your pivotal moment. You're just getting off the road with Franti. I'm looking for clients. Huh. You seem like a good fit. You stand for everything that like needs to be represented right wow. now. We're vibing as people. We ended up catching up yeah. at a red light, talking a little bit. And then next thing you know, like we're, we're working together and it, it happened. That was one way to do it, right? Whoa. I mean, but that's so cool because you know, it, it, that just shows, I mean, from, the time you saw that first Instagram video of her covering an Emily King song to when you actually signed her to Red Light, how much time was between that, would you say? I want to say that was like two years. Two years? Yeah, a year and a half, two years. So this is really like, you know, where artists are kind of like, I need a manager tomorrow. It's kind of like, well, why don't you, you know, this is like building, doing the thing. Yes, man. Building the relationships. Yes. And it's kind of, you know, it, I mean, that, that whole story is just shows it's like, it happened very organically. Yeah. And like you were giving her opportunities before you even thought to manage her just because like, oh, Emily King needs an opener for New York. Oh, mm. Victoria, I know lives in New York. Oh, she's amazing. And, you know, let's, uh, you know, you put her on that, but you're following along. You're seeing when she gets press things written about, you're seeing when she gets featured on other things. So you saw that her career was building and she was developing her career on her own. Mm -hmm. And then when you were at a point when the stars aligned, when you were seeking new clients, she was uh, seeking a new manager. It kind of just worked out. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I understand the blinders thing now because she had her head down focusing on her career, yeah. wasn't clawing at every manager's door. No, it wasn't no. like a desperation, please sign me, please work with me. No. I can't do anything she without a manager. She was hitting the road. She, she was, was building it. her fan base. She yeah. was releasing music. She was being her own boss. Yeah. She had been through a couple managers at that point. She was lucky enough to have a couple managers sign on early on that mm. like didn't really work out, I guess. Okay. And yeah, she was focused. I mean, she was starting to like, you know, think about it, but she was also completely ready. Yeah. She ended up when we talked, she presented me with this amazing pack of like her tour history, mm. her merch, the financials, her password or whatever, like yeah. everything was all laid out because she had prepped it because she was ready to do all out of this stuff herself yeah. and create her own goals and milestones mm. and just like be your own boss. And she was completely ready to do that. Wow. I came in, took all that kind of reorganized mm -hmm. and re-strategized and then, you know, uh, started to work on her behalf. But mm. like, you know, she was ready and had, you know, a business acumen to get, you know, wow. get it going. And she's, a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old. At the time, she was 20. Wow. She's insane. <laughs> She's insane. The girl's a yeah. massive hustler. And like, yeah, that's yeah. a lot of the time what it takes. Yeah. It's yeah. like, put your blinders on, focus on your craft, be fucking bulletproof, yeah. and know about your business. And it, a manager should be so lucky yeah. to get in your world. Yeah. A manager oh, should, like get, should right. be so lucky right. to be a part of your world. But at the end of the day, for you, it was because... Uh, of these, the new music that she sent you and you connected with the music. And because like when you say be bulletproof or the product needs to be bulletproof product, you mean music, right? Yes. I mean music. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about business and, you know, obviously I wrote the book on the music business and, and, and it's all about, you know, all the extra stuff you need to do. But then at the end of the day, it really, the most important thing comes down to the music. And it's nice to hear from, you know, 
a manager that you care about the music aspect yeah. too and that is actually paramount and like i'm such a music head yeah and like <laughs> such a music head and it's really important to me and it's interesting coming from the world which was like i was super into jam bands mm. and like funk and stuff like that yeah and now like i've gotten into like jazz and r&b and now i'm like managing like an indie pop artist i yeah. guess you would say yeah um so like ultimately it's just for me and a lot of managers good music mm, you know mm -hmm. you might have a genre that you like bend your ear towards and like you can have certain press connections whatever especially in the jam world it's like you know um pretty contained sometimes yeah but like i'm a sucker for universally bulletproof good music and so and of course that's subjective totally in some respect because you know good music to you would be different to another manager sure. who you know uh might represent hip-hop or might represent folk or sure. whatever yeah but I mean, so that's that's also interesting when you say if you're uh, seek if you're you know think that you're at a level where you uh, could partner with the manager because let's you've done hundreds of shows you've released a lot of music you've built up a fan base you're at this point where you know people are paying attention you've built up a career you actually have a business to manage you're not just like an artist who can draw twenty seven people to your hometown like you actually have a business yeah. Um, and so you mentioned earlier cold reach outs and there is something to that because, you know, I'm from the Midwest and I know how challenging it was being in Minneapolis as like an island away from LA yeah. where all the industry is and just like not knowing how to do anything or who the industry is or anything like that. But you mentioned like looking at managers who represent artists similar to you. So, I mean, I guess you reverse engineer that in the sense you find artists similar to you and who their managers are um, because managers have taste musical taste yeah. and like you have a certain kind of music that you really connect with and and gravitate towards and other managers probably gravitate towards other kinds of music and so you start to see managers their roster is like oh yeah that makes sense because they kind of you know they have a taste and at the end of yeah. the day that all comes down to the music so would you say then kind of reaching out once you have a business you reach out to a manager and you just hit them up and, and what does that look like? What do you I mean? So I think, uh, it still seems, well, it starts with the recorded music usually, or some sort of content. Okay. Um, or it's like, I have a pack of demos mm. or I have the song, like check out the song. And when that, when I get reached out to, it's nice when it's like super simple, they know who I am and yeah. like, know that it like, you like, Give me the context in which you're reaching out. Yeah. Like, are you a metal band that, like, that wouldn't make sense, right? Right, right, right. It's not like, hey, Red Light Manager, yeah, rep yeah. me. It's yes. like, oh, I saw that you I saw that you represent Victoria Canal. Yeah. Um, I sound like these type of artists. Mm. Or um, I've opened for Victoria when she was on tour, you know? Cool. yeah. Because I'm, like, yeah, dealing with so many tour great. dates. And it's like, awesome. But it's like, cool, you worked your... You worked hard enough to open up for Emily King on uh -huh. uh, a local date or whatever back mm -hmm. in 2015, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. So like that's a you know that's a good point of entry sometimes, mm -hmm. or you know getting an intro or something like that. Keeping it super succinct, who you are, what you're doing, what's coming up, maybe a little bit of press and some mm -hmm. of your music, and ideally for me at least, I'd love to see a live show. Cool. So you connect to the live thing. I connect yeah. to the live thing. And that's yeah. usually a good place to show off a little bit too, right? Cool. Like yeah. I'm such a sucker for like raw chops. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I don't want something produced and like, you know, auto-tuned in the studio to a place where it's not recognizable on a stage. Okay. 
when I say bulletproof, I yeah. mean you and your craft too. Yeah. Meaning you can sing in a fucking cardboard box and it's gonna sound <laughs> awesome, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like it's gonna you can sing in whatever setting, mm. you know, pianos maybe a little bit out of tune, whatever. Yeah. It makes it charming because you're such a like great performer. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's the stuff that I gravitate towards. Cool. Um, where, you know, I wanna see you at your show that you think is really important to you and you invite a lot of people and you, you know, you've been promoting it and working mm. hard and it's going to be packed. And I come out and you put on a great show. Yeah. I oftentimes still like if I get invited to a gig yeah. and it makes sense, like I'll go. Yeah. 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 Wow. Just of an artist who you don't necessarily know, yes. but invited you. I can't speak for other managers. If sure. they still do that as they get older and maybe you get a little whatever, Yeah. but you know, maybe they need the cosign from their buddy or they happen to catch the opening band at this gig or whatever sure. it might be. Yeah. Um, but I'm still at a place where it's like, you send me the music, I mm. see something's going on, I see you're working your ass off, like, mm -hmm. I'll go to the show. Yeah. You know? Nice, nice. Good place to do that in LA specifically is school night. Okay. It's a free show. Yep. It's every Monday. Yep. It's a comfortable place to be. I know, like, the people there and stuff. I'll roll yep. through, I'll check out your gig for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Yep. Then I'll bounce and, like, you know, that's a great place to do it or whatever. The school night showcase at Bardot, which happens every Monday night. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, started by... Chris Doritas and Matt Goldman and yeah yeah that's you, you, a thank you for the context right for the, right for the, <laughs> for the listeners yes school, school night is, is a very a showcase. prestigious yeah, showcase of, of Los Angeles where a lot of emerging Billie artists Eilish. they all yeah. started there yes. yeah yeah I mean a lot of people that's their entry point in LA because it's a great free invite mm -hmm. type of thing for industry and it's a great spot to invite folks yeah. um south by was another example right like mm. Victoria invited me to a south by gig right and we ended up going to it we had a Big schedule of running around all over the city, checking out bands here and there. Victoria's yep. one we popped into. And it wasn't about how many people are in the room or how the crowd yeah. responded because everyone specifically, was asleep. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. South by is a very actually special place in which it's still relevant, yeah. I think. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what? Like if I saw you were buzzing and I go up to mm -hmm. the venue at 1 a.m. and like yeah. happen to catch that day, and no matter who's in the room, whatever, yeah. like I'm at South by to check out music. Sure. Cool. I'm, I'm there to meet people. I'm there yeah. to do all that stuff. Like that still is a thing that industry, like label reps, mm -hmm. managers, agents, brands, they're still going down to places like that. So don't let anyone say that there's no discovery at South by anymore oh, because uh, you've discovered a few artists there. Yes. I know similarly, we ran in from a rainstorm. I think it was probably that same year. And we were just looking for some shelter from the rain and something to eat. And we... The front desk at a hotel was like, oh, there's food at our penthouse bar. Take it to 18. And so we took the elevator up and we go in and there's this guy singing his heart out over there with people listening. And we're like, whoa, who is this? Yeah. And that was Luke Wade. Yeah. And you got him a publishing deal a year later because yeah. you kind of stayed in touch and discovered him at the South By. And that's the thing. It happens. That was a really special thing. And I've heard, <laughs> I've yeah, that was, that was an amazing moment. And yeah. he, he totally deserved that. He actually, when you think about it, it's like, Talk about bulletproof. Yeah. A dude was like, the the elevator door opened. We heard his voice. And I was yeah. like, what the hell is that? <laughs> right, right. You know, like that wasn't just a circumstantial. I mean, I guess in the way of me hearing it was, yeah. but like he played many gigs and yeah. did many things. He was on The Voice. Right. And worked his butt off to get to but that place. But that's not why work. you were there. No. Right, right. I yeah. walked in that door. Yeah. I heard it. And I was yeah. like, that was it. And that's why I say, you know, luck is merely when preparation meets opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And so he had prepared by hundreds of gigs or how many before that. And he didn't the, know what he was preparing for in that moment. Right. But, but, he, but that but opportunity yeah. rose and, yeah. and you rise to that occasion. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Andrew Lieb, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have one final question that I ask everybody, and that is, what do you think it means to make it in the new music business? 
Um, doing what you love. Traveling the world. Making connections. I think one of, you know, I think it's just making this in life, actually. Mm. One of the best things about working in the music business is it's such a relationship business. And if you can get to a level where you're calling people and it's no longer um, an ask, it's more of just a favor because you're homies with them. Mm. If I can call up Bruce Warren and XPN in Philadelphia, if I can call up Chris Doritas mm-hmm. in, in LA, if I can call up Sonder in the Netherlands yeah. when I'm there to grab a bite with him, whatever it might be, eventually it just becomes like this web. Uh, and if you can have that across the world, locally, domestically, internationally, that to me is like not only making it in the music business, it's mm-hmm. making it as like a human being. And that's, oh, a, nice. that's a beautiful thing. Nice. Well, cool. Andrew Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Frank. is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.